0: Let's begin with a brief moment of silence to link with all triangles workers throughout the world. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love that we too may love
1: and give.
0: So welcome to this Triangles Meditation Group, and we appreciate your cooperation each week in helping to strengthen the planetary network of Triangles. Today is December 12th, 2022. This platform is also available to introduce triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. So if you're new to this work, uh, welcome. And we hope that you will find out information that will encourage you to form a triangle for it's a powerful form of planetary service a means whereby the great life that ensouls our planet is aided in his task of transforming planet Earth from the position of being a non-sacred planet to a sacred planet. And one of the means whereby that is undertaken is through the etheric network, the energy body of the network um, being changed from one of squares, which is reflective of the personality nature into a network composed of triangles. So as we visualize the triangles network every day, we're aiding in this great task, which is a cooperative effort, not only among many members of the human kingdom, but also members of the spiritual kingdom, this planetary hierarchy, and even the great lives in Shambhala. So it's a great cooperative effort and we appreciate all of your contributions to this work. Triangles is a daily practice. So it is a commitment. Three people uh, agree to link up with each other in thought each day, mentally and spiritually, no matter where they live. And you don't have to coordinate the effort by time. You just simply have to link up every day and visualize your triangle as lines of lighted golden loving communication between the three of you. And then you extend that triangle, visualizing your triangle as part of the larger planetary network of triangles. And as the network is visualized, the great invocation, a powerful world prayer is sounded in order to release the contacted energies into the consciousness of all human hearts and minds. So it need only take a few minutes each day and can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. So as we do each week, we're going to now work with a brief visualization. So let's visualize the planet
1: as a sphere of lighted energy. And
0: in the center of that sphere, let's visualize a triangle composed of these three planetary centers of Shambhala hierarchy and humanity. Visualize them as three spheres of energy at each of the points of the triangle. And visualize these energies intersecting,
1: moving from point to point, filling the triangle with light.
0: And now visualize at the center of this triangle a five pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher.
1: Linking east and west, past and future, filling the triangle with light, radiating the energy of love wisdom.
0: And now visualize again the sphere of the planet as a lighted sphere, the blended energies of these three planetary centers, radiating forth through the planetary network of triangles, distributing the energies of light,
1: love, and power irradiating all human consciousness.
0: And see these energies being released through the five planetary centers, London,
1: Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo. And linking together, we sound the affirmation of love. Radiance, we
0: are, and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the
1: earth, the inner world of meaning, and the subtle
0: world of glamour. We reach. And after our meditation today, we're going to have as our guest a returning presenter named Brad Burke, who lives in upstate New York and is a founding member of the Life Bridge Sanctuary. And he's been working with the material in the Alice Bailey books since 1976. And he's organized conferences on peace building and has worked in the mental health health field for decades. And Brad will be sharing today on the theme of esoteric psychology and psychoanalysis. And then I wanted to announce that this coming Saturday, the Lucis Trust will be holding a seminar with the title of Externalizing the Soul Principle, Psychology and the Service of the Plan. And so if you'd like to find out more information about that, please go to the Lucis Trust homepage. And also I wanted to encourage you all to do what you can to distribute the Great Invocation with your holiday greetings to friends and loved ones. And we have a video um, that we've posted in the chat box, which just presents the invocation in various languages, a line from different languages for each line of the Great Invocation. And it's a nice way to see what a global um, prayer this is. So we encourage you to to do so. And we therefore will begin. So I just wanted to share a few brief kind of introductory thoughts on this field of psychology, its past and where it might be heading. Um, So psychology is one of the newest of sciences we're told. And although it's new, at the same time, explorations into the nature of consciousness have been the source of human pondering since the beginning of civilization. The word psyche itself stems from the ancient Greeks, which understood and embodied uh, in this term the three aspects of the mind, soul, and spirit, and whose civilization had its underpinnings within the great philosophers, whose lives were dedicated to pondering the nature of thought and the different layers of the mind, which are only just beginning to be considered by the scientists of our day. And of course the Greeks built into their platform of thought, they built it upon the foundations of the East, whether consciously or through tapping into the created thought forms of the Rishis, whose penetrating delving into the nature of consciousness brought light to our world and laid the foundations for all that has come. Not only did these ancient Ricis formulate doctrines contained in the Vedas, which Blavatsky viewed as some of the most advanced teachings ever given out, but they also devised techniques that grew out of their inner understanding, whereby they were able to move beyond philosophy and into a means of the transformation of consciousness. They provided techniques most notably codified in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, a translation and commentary of which were given out by the Tibetan Alice Bailey in the light of the soul. Psychology as we've come to understand it today was started by the breakthrough work of that forerunner Sigmund Freud, who devised the concept of this new science. He, too, categorized the layered nature of the mind and did so in the terms of id, the primitive primal urges of the nation child, the ego, which in Freud's nomenclature was akin to the personality, while his superego was reflective of the incoming influence of the soul that evolves to the willingness on the part of the personality to conform to the standards of the society in response to the growing voice of the conscience. Freud sought to meet the need of a society that was suffering under the weight of repression through, we might say, the misinterpretations of Christian teachings. He met a genuine need and began to delve into the inner recesses within consciousness. And then from out of Freud's work, another major breakthrough was made by Jung, who lifted the, the field away from the focus on childhood repression of so-called sexual attachments to the parents, and shifted it into higher levels of consciousness and the study of the symbolic nature of dreams and other experiences of a transcendental nature. We must also mention the important work of Roberto Asagioli, who was himself a student of the Tibetan and who developed a school of thought entitled psychosynthesis, which sought to integrate the various aspects of an individual through the use of the spiritual will. Since then, there have developed many other and diverse schools of thought, each providing a contribution, perhaps along all the different ray lines, we might say, whereby humanity is evolving a deepened understanding of this multifaceted multifaceted instrument, which we call the mind. The Dalai Lama's cooperative efforts with scientists in studying the nature of consciousness and the meditative practices of Tibetan monks have surely also contributed much to move humanity into a deepened understanding as to the spiritual nature of the mind. Of course, underlying and paralleling all of these are the teachings of the Ageless Wisdom. In these teachings, one of the central facets is the teaching on the seven rays of which esoteric psychology is one of the primary parts. This science has only just found its beginning within the work of a few forerunners in this field but we're told it will eventually provide the basis whereby eventually the Ageless Wisdom teachings will receive outer recognition from society through the field of psychology. For all forms crystallize with time, and so too within this field of psychology. All departments of human living must evolve to meet the needs of the constantly evolving humanity. The new psychology, we're told, will utilize and have for its basis the teaching on the seven rays and esoteric psychology. We know, for example, that Jung and Asajoli both used astrology in their practices, and with the incredible outgrowth of interest in this field today, it is surely being used by many more psychologists today. The teaching on the rays is more subjective, however, dealing specifically with the quality or soul aspect, which is subtle, but nonetheless, an attempt must be made. For without a basic understanding of the rays, the deeper aspects contained within an astrological chart will be left out. We're moving today from an age of belief, from a time when humanity has, by and large, been predominantly astrally polarized, At the ending of an age, it is always challenging to see through the glamours that naturally arise. This general condition is surely being fostered as well by the passing of the planet Neptune, the planet most closely associated with deception and glamour through the sign of Pisces, which often also has challenges distinguishing between reality and glamour. But at the same time, Pisces and Neptune could be considered two of the most exalted energies, highly spiritually significant, reflective of the duality of this sign and planet. For Neptune is the planet most closely associated with the Christ, with the Buddhic plane. And the Tibetan, in fact, indicates that Neptune in Pisces is reflective of the initiation of humanity as a whole. Therefore, we can see the tremendous importance of this time and the opportunity it's providing us. On the one hand, it is contributing to the depths of glamour. But at the same time, it's instrumental in awakening the consciousness of humanity And it's fostering its ability to arise into an initiatory movement. And into this mix, there stands the struggling disciple, humanity. And the psychologists of the day are being charged with moving in an experimental fashion to aid people to come to a deepened understanding as to the nature of reality and that fragment of reality, which is themselves. As we move into the Aquarian age, we're moving into an age of science, an age where an increasingly humanity will be governed by mental polarization. There will surely evolve widespread methods of training that will teach people to work collectively to utilize the power of thought as a means of transforming life in all its many facets through the use of the mind. Of course, the work of triangles is a forerunner in this regard, harnessing the tremendous power of the great invocation and the etheric network to help lift our planet out from under the grip of the lower Neptunian manifestations and into the light of that which permits entry of the truth, the coming one. If the Tibetan told us that the effective use of the great invocation by a small group of his students prior to the Second World War, could have averted that war from precipitating onto the physical plane. We can today see the power which this invocation wields to aid in precipitating the externalization and the subsequent reappearance. And this is our primary purpose.
1: We work together now with our meditation. Integrating as a group. Focusing on the mental plane. At the center of the evened arm cross of discipleship. Linking in thought as a soul
0: as a potent of love and light <clears throat> with all those people throughout the world who are working with this triangle meditation group. We project a line of lighted energy towards the highest center and sound together the affirmation of the will.
1: In the center of the will of God, I stand. Nought
0: shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Visualization. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to
1: create a triangle of light. Hold the group mind open and receptive to the inpouring energy of love.
0: Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangle's network from point to point and flowing out through the network into the minds and hearts of people everywhere.
1: Linking with the group, let's sound together the mantra of Unification. The sons of men are one, and
0: I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve, and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail.
1: Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. distribution.
0: Sound the great invocation silently or aloud. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity as a channel through which light, love, and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness.
1: Aum. Aum. Hello, Brad. Hi, Kathy. Welcome. Thank you.
0: Thank you for being with us.
2: Okay. Well, thanks to you and to Lucis Trust for um, providing another opportunity to present material, I hope will be uh, useful. Uh, So this brief talk will address how esoteric psychology can be applied in psychotherapy. So I won't be talking about Freud or psychoanalysis, And another point of clarification, I think it would be more accurate to say that I was a co-founder of the Meditation Group at Lifebridge Sanctuary. We can give um, Barbara Valachor and some others credit for founding the Sanctuary and Lifebridge Foundation. Okay, so um, after 37 years of service in the mental health field, I'm now retired. My credential is licensed clinical social worker, which means I have a master's degree and passed the state licensing exam. And just so you folks know, nowadays, more psychotherapy is being done by clinical social workers rather than psychologists who often have a PhD. I work mostly in nonprofits, managing programs, and doing therapy. I've also spent hundreds of hours studying esoteric psychology, volumes one and two, and attempting to apply the teachings. At the first annual conference of the Seven Institute, I was on a panel discussing how to determine one's raise. So um, over recent decades, uh, many helpful therapeutic modalities have been developed, including cognitive behavioral therapy, EMDR, the rapid eye movements for trauma, and protocols for recognizing and managing suicidality. And one sidebar about suicidality If you're concerned about somebody who you think might be feeling suicidal, please ask them. It's a myth that if you ask somebody, you might encourage them to to think about it or act on it. If you're really concerned, just ask them straight up, are you thinking of killing yourself? Don't ask them if they might be considering hurting themselves, because that's real different. If I wanna die, I'm gonna take 199 pills. No, I'm not gonna hurt myself. I'm gonna relieve myself of the pain. So, developments are slow but sure in understanding serious illnesses like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and borderline personality disorder. Recent research into the human brain has shown that there are genetic anomalies and predispositions for having these types of illnesses, which are medical illnesses. They're not mental illnesses, as their biological causes impact the brain. And understanding this can help end the stigma of mental illness. Schizophrenia is of particular interest from an esoteric perspective. I've worked with a couple of hundred people with this disorder. In some cultures, people who hear and see things that most of us can't are considered to have a gift. One possible explanation for someone seeing things that others can't whether they are angels or demons or glowing colored orbs, is that they are way too open to the astral plane. The door opens and they can't close it. Another way to look at it is that people with schizophrenia don't have the usual veil between their subconscious and conscious mind. The sleep state overlaps with the waking state, making it impossible to tell what is real and what is not. Given what Carl Jung suggested about our collective unconscious, people who have schizophrenia as well as others may be picking up on what's happening in the subconscious of others. I don't know about you, but I find that my own thoughts are plenty enough to deal with. Thank goodness for Patanjali and Raja Yoga. People with schizophrenia are often experiencing forms of what DK calls the lower psychism, though it can be more than that too. On rare occasions, the receptivity may be from a higher level. It's really good that anxiety and and depression are treated nowadays with medications from medical prescribers, but mostly symptoms are treated, not cause. Just to be sure you know, psychologists and social workers cannot prescribe medication. Psychiatrists are medical doctors with advanced training they can prescribe, as well as nurse practitioners and physician assistants. Recent research has shown that antidepressants, also called, well, some of them selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, they do not work by leaving more chemicals like serotonin in the synapse, the space between two nerve cells. This is a provocative example of the current lack of scientific understanding regarding the functioning of the brain. While much of the general public has come to accept that there is a mind-body connection, for many academicians, and psychologists, the mind is still seen as an activity of the brain. One day, science will develop a device to actually recognize and see thought and the mind. Curlian photography, which purportedly sees our aura, is a step in that direction. So, regarding therapy, if a therapist can maintain a meditative-like state during a session then he or she will be able to use the intuition to assist the patient, or I prefer to use the word client. True connection between client and therapist is necessary for effective treatment. An insightful, intuitive therapist can see and sense the causes of the underlying psychological dynamics and which energetically live between cause and effect. A good therapist then helps a person become more self-aware and develop the means to overcome obstacles to growth. By that term, psychological dynamics, I'm referring to internalized emotions, moldy thought forms, and energetic patterns that, from past experiences, are still simmering below the surface in the crucible of our psyche. Psychology talks about defense mechanisms to cope with inner discomfort, but does not really begin to understand it in terms of energy still living within us. Energy which can be related to overstimulation, blockage, or the seething life of the kama monastic response of our psyche that just won't dissipate, keeping us stuck. So you can see that the medical and mental health fields are only now emerging from their infancy. Mainstream psychology doesn't really recognize the existence of the mind and therefore lacks a real understanding of consciousness. It doesn't exist if you can't see it with an MRI or a CAT scan or an X-ray. So coming to realization of the existence of the mind as something subtle and abstract will be the next major step in the development of psychology, I hope. Um, and that'll be to understand the difference between physical brain and thinker, thoughts and thinking. Even Shakespeare knew that thoughts are things. DK refers to soul as the integrating factor of our sensory and cognitive impressions. It's what makes us different than animals. It seems evident that animals can think and feel on a rudimentary level, but they lack the sense of I that a human being has. And from studying DK's work via Alice Bailey, we know that it's the soul that produces and is consciousness itself. The mind is the sixth sense and is the soul that integrates all experience. Consider who is thinking, who imagines and creates, who chooses a career, who prefers a Mozart rather than the Beatles. How could a brain, that mushy bloody blob of tiny electric wires, do those things? Aren't the convolutions of our brain the physical manifestations of the nadis in the head, those filaments, which are the energetic conduits of our third body. It's the same as the endocrines being the physical precipitation of our chakras. The root of the word psychology is psyche or soul. This meaning is currently lost in modern psychology as it doesn't recognize that we have or that we are a soul. Of course, branches like transpersonal psychology and psychosynthesis do recognize that. What's coming is a coalescing of psychological, scientific and spiritual fields. These distinctions are apparent, not real or necessary. Consider H.P. Blavatsky's subtitle for The Secret Doctrine, The Synthesis of Science, Religion and Philosophy. Meditation is often used by so many folks these days to manage stress, but not for deepening contact with the soul. Meditation will increasingly become part of therapy as the mass has become more accepting of the soul as something we can experience. The soul can eventually be seen as the source of our conscience. And that word means with knowing, con-science, with science. Well, who is actually doing the knowing, and where is that info coming from? Guiding someone to hear and follow their conscience can have found value. Astrology can be very useful if the client's chart is available but I emphasize to keep it real simple. Knowing the sun sign, which is essentially about the personality and its tendencies and characteristics can be helpful at present. We already are our sun sign. The ascendant represents the energetic qualities available for the soul to use in order to express itself and its intentions. First house it's the self, but in esoteric psychology, the self is the, the soul not really the physical body. A client who is open to what astrology offers can be encouraged to try and use the qualities of the ascendant. This can make a real difference, especially if you are working on the techniques of integration and fusion, which DK presents in Esoteric Psychology Volume 2. Creative pursuits and productive service may be a result of these efforts. So, the seven rays. Can we truly know the rays of another person? Fascinating idea, but it's often too early for us to really know another's rays, or maybe even our own. We can't rely on our concrete mind to make this determination, as it makes too many associations. We need to sense the vibration and the expression of the rays. One supposed ray structure is just for us to consider in therapy, not for the client. There is a risk of the therapist acting on a wrong assumption. Because the client is very analytical, I might accurately think she has a fifth-three mental body and that she is too analytical and too cerebral. I might then steer her away from mental activities when actually her soul came into incarnation with a fifth-three mental body because the opposite is true. Let's say she has a secondary soul, and in this lifetime, she needs to develop her mental abilities. And what if the client is into the Bailey books and wants to know what I think their rays are? Suppose because they love to plan and are so adaptable, they believe it when I tell them they have a 3rd ray personality, but they don't. I was wrong. Their whole sense of self can be distorted for decades or maybe for the rest of this life. So I encourage you not to tell others what you think their rays are, but we can help each other work on it, and I love to do that. One of the best tools to determine your rays is to know your glamours. They have the low expression of the rate qualities, which we need to transmute into their virtues. Psychedelics have seen a renewal of use in therapy, but run a risk of misuse or experiencing more than one bargains for. There can be changes in the nervous system that may be permanent for just one use. One spiritually insightful use can change your life, but then it's up to meditation, not drugs, to get you to that altered state again. Just be exceedingly careful when you play with fire, even if it's called ayahuasca, which some call medicine. Some people with depression who use hallucinogens sink deeply into themselves and feel detached from the outer world and their depression can get worse. Color therapy, primarily using colored light, is a field that will grow in the near future in therapy as well as healing in general. Sound therapy, exposure to tones and music, can disrupt stagnant thought forms and unprocessed emotions. And as I hope you all know, can be great for our mood. Sound can also build. Take a look at page 335 in letters on occult meditation for info on the use of color and sound. Most minds function on the concrete levels of the mental plane as we function more abstractly and become aware on and receptive to Buddhic and intuitional levels we will have a more productive and service-oriented life. Other areas that will eventually evolve into the mainstream of psychology include this state of our chakras, a person's karma, their point in evolution, which personality vehicle is the target of the soul focus, and on what level we are polarized, usually emotionally, but maybe mentally, or hopefully we're at least just about getting there for mental polarization. Causal polarization is often a long-term goal for most of us. So by studying the teachings on esoteric psychology and working it out in our own lives, we're helping to move forward the current state of the field of psychology. Esoteric psychology provides potent tools we can use to transform ourselves into what is possible, assist others along the way, and serve the plan. May we all be successful in our efforts. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Brad. Mm -hmm very interesting thoughts you shared. Um, I just have a few questions and then we can open it up to the larger group. Um, I was wondering if you have any thoughts about what structural changes we can make in society, such a big question, sorry, Um, that we can undertake to better help people, especially young people, who are struggling mentally and emotionally
2: we could be kind and sensitive to each other. I mean, the world is so polarized now, you know, Democrats and Republicans, Ukraine and Russia, Northern Southern Hemisphere. I mean, our society is so concrete and greedy and individualistic material. I mean, that's such a big question, Kathy. I mean, every single area of human life needs some structural changes. Uh, but maybe if they all just recognize that we're all in it together and we can be supportive of each other, then you might see some changes in educational systems and economic systems, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the Tibetan speaks of other new types of psychology, um, but you've really already addressed that, so I think I'll skip that one. Okay. <clears throat> um, oh, here's one, yeah, that I always thought would be interesting to hear your view. Um the t- Tibetan sort of asks us to move beyond in the field of psychology, focusing on abnormalities and into a study of genius. Um, do you know if this is being done and what re- results have uh, occurred as a result?
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I know that it is being done. I think it's mostly to do with study of the 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 brain. But... You're right, psychology focuses so much on what used to be called abnormal psychology, on, on mental illness. And there's very little presentation of what is possible for a human being. You know, what does a healthy human being look like? I mean, there's a lot about resilience, especially in the field of, you know, trauma work. But, you know, psychology should really be about growth and hopefully s- spiritual growth because psychology is really, you know, the study of the, the soul. And it's you know it's it's missing from psychology, so I hope we grow into uh, a kind of work that helps accentuate what we potentially are and what a human being can become, and recognize what healthy mental health is.
0: Yeah, Um, it would seem that the recognition of the law of rebirth would be a key um, tool in helping people to understand the nature of genius.
2: Yeah. I mean, D.K. says that um, when people are really skilled in a certain area, whether they're genius or just really into something and good at it, it's because they've had they have had a proclivity for it over a course of, you know, multiple incarnations.
0: Um,
2: You know, so sometimes somebody just is incredibly brilliant and, you know, they have most of their brain cells going and their IQ is, you know, one hundred ninety nine. But other times, you know, people just work on it and develop a skill. Maybe that's how you become a genius.
0: Um for someone who's on a spiritual path, can psychotherapy actually create more obstacles to growth?
2: Well, yeah, especially <clears throat> if you're not working with a highly competent um therapist. You know, if you're on a spiritual path, hopefully you're having your, your own um, inside as much as possible into your 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 foibles, your your glamour, and 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 your obstacles. But when you are on the path and you seriously apply yourself to transforming yourself, then all the aspects of your lower nature rise up to the surface so that you can work with them and overcome them. But that can be a very uncomfortable experience. We can be taxed to the max, um, and especially in an era of profound intensification in all areas of human life and consciousness, it um, it can make it really difficult for yourself. Um, Capricorn is a steep climb up the mountain.
0: Yeah. Uh, There's a number of people probably wanting to ask you a question, but I'll just ask you this one because it's um, really interesting. Um, For some time now, people have been speaking about the indigo children. children who are coming into incarnation with a seemingly very expanded state of consciousness, and some people might call them old souls. And I understand that you know such a child, and would you be able to tell us a little bit about this child?
2: Well, you're probably talking about my uh, grandson who, even when he was just turned three, was kind of demonstrating that he was like scientifically kind of brilliant. So, you know, um, about the indigo children, though, I'm not really sure what that means, you know, whether whatever you want to call them. I think it's just a a lot of developed souls are coming into incarnation incarnation lately. You know, people on the path, they don't have to be interested uh, in the path or esoterically inclined. People are just doing good work in every field of, of human life. And you could tell that they're motivated by their soul. You know, it's said that the soul comes into incarnation to serve. You know, we always tend to think of it as we come into incarnation to 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 grow and overcome ourselves and become perfect. Yes, true. But um, you know, service is primarily what drives this. Let's call it more advanced souls into into incarnation. So this real quick, my grandson who maybe is. This genius. I mean, he's just a, a regular kid who in one area completely excels. Um, I'm not sure I really understand it, but, you know, more than development of the physical brain, uh, I would say it, it's, it's a soul quali- quality, you know, the causal body, the causal body of the soul is a repository yeah. of all our experience. And so maybe some people are just more, more connected to certain aspects of that. Well, thank you. And so
0: now I'll open it up to the group. And I see that Curtis has his hand raised. So hello, Curtis.
2: Hi, yes, thank you, Kathy. Um, thank you. I wanted to mention for the Triangles group that over the last month and a half, I've taken the opportunity to make contact with several of my, the Triangles of which I'm a member via Zoom. And I would like to recommend that to everybody as a means of cementing the relationship uh, in the triangle on a spiritual level, it's, it's really very uh, positive thing to do. Um, and it's you know, everyone here is on Zoom, so you all know how to operate that. So I will recommend that as something that you can reach out and do. I think we plan to continue doing this on a quarterly basis. that is, four times a year. In order to keep the contact up, thank
1: you.
0: Thanks, Curtis. And of course, that's a suggestion that one tri- longtime triangles member has found effective. But there's no um, right or wrong way to work in your triangles. But um, I think that sounds like a very interesting thing because we can we can be quite detached from some of our triangles partners, not knowing them much, and so. Perhaps uh, connecting through Zoom would be a really helpful thing once in a while. So thanks so much, Curtis. Um, And Brad, there's a lot of comments in the chat if you'd like to address any of them or just read them.
2: Yeah, I'm just seeing one now from uh, Clint asking, uh, how do you determine when a patient is evolved enough to suggest working on the qualities of their ascendant sign or their opposite sign rather than suggesting they aim for the best qualities of their sun sign? Well, I really don't much talk about astrology, but if it kind of comes up, the person has some basic interest, I might go there. Um, And how do I determine? You know, I see how they express themselves, how present they are, what they talk about, what are their areas of, of interest? You know, are they on the path in their own way, whatever path that is? Uh, and you know, I mentioned using intuition therapy. So maybe I'll, I'll give myself a little credit for being intuitive sometimes in my in my work with others. And sometimes I just get a sense that you know they'd be interested. Uh, but I'll, I'll go there gently first, and if they're receptive, then we'll have a conversation. Uh, I don't look for particular qualities. I, I just get a, a feel for their qualities. You know, we're known by our fruits, how we express ourselves, and you and you pick up the vibe. And, and sure, uh, you can always suggest that they tweak the qualities of their uh, sun sign. But sometimes, you know, the ace up the sleeve that helps us do that is to bring in the quality of the ascendant. I would say that then you know, the more your soul, your soul's energy can express itself through the personality, then um, you know the more the personality is a vehicle for the soul and the more the personality will express its higher qualities uh, you know, of the astrological sign as well as the, the ray.
0: Yeah, it's also a tool, I think, primarily that the psychologists can use. I'm sure that Jung and Asajoli, for example, in their day, they studied the chart of their, some of their clients' For their own understanding, to help to aid them in their ability to to work more deeply with the with this client, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have to discuss it or categorize the client. But it's just a another tool. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: There was a question: Is it possible that somebody with uh, here it says equisophrenia or schizophrenia? can through meditation have some kind of control. Yes. But if you consider that it's a biological disorder and sometimes the brain just suddenly just totally whacks out and the person has no control of the thought process and none at all. I mean, it's really sad. So some people, yes. And sometimes medication helps. It's medication not for everybody. There's a lot of side effects, especially, you know, if you take it for 30 or 40 years, um, but yeah, it's possible. But sometimes it's completely impossible.
0: I should just say that um, in the training of the arcane school, we are unfortunately we are not able to work with students with severe mental illness um, because mm-hmm. we don't we don't advocate at all meditative practice for such individuals. But um, <clears throat> because it can, they're already so much overstimulation. And it can just exacerbate it. So it's better for ha- perhaps for the rest of this lifetime to just uh, not focus on that area of life.
1: Yeah, I,
2: I would agree. A lot of people um, just really need to stay grounded or, or to get yeah. grounded. And so it's not just f- true for people with schizophrenia, but a, a lot of like, you know, new age types who get into meditation, uh, it is too stimulating or it's too ab- abstracting.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah. It's not always good. And even people who are seriously into occult meditation, like they might learn in the Arcane School or from DK's books, sometimes you need to take a break and and assimilate. You can still keep your alignment.
0: Is there Mm -hmm. anyone who would like to raise their hand and share a comment or a question
1: that way? I'll just make one quick comment. Mm-hmm. I don't see a hand.
2: You. you might just think of those two volumes of esoteric psychology as a workbook. You know, just like a treatise on white magic. You know, somewhere in DK says it's a it's a workbook. Um it's fascinating just in terms of, you know, studying those two volumes of esoteric psychology and learning about psychology, but I think it's also really meant to be applied. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why it gave us the books ultimately
0: right that's the challenge it's very challenging yeah well perhaps we should end with that Brad but thank you so much Mm -hmm. for sharing these ideas with us I'm sure you've uh, stimulated a lot of people who are who might be therapists or who are seeking out therapeutic counseling so Mm -hmm. really appreciate your gifts to share with us.
2: Sure, thanks. So
0: let's let's just um, end with a moment of silence to visualize the planet surrounded by a sphere of lighted energy,
1: a triangular grid.
0: Thank you again.